the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Every weekend, we gather and we get to talk some to some really interesting people. I always enjoy doing this show here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Once again, the engineer supreme, uh, Alan Dempsey, uh, that makes all this happen, really. And uh, Andrew Herdliska is the producer. And Shannon Martin is the guest from Goshen, Indiana. Uh, her new book is out, Falling Free. Uh, Shannon, welcome. Nice to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, what does Falling Free mean? What's that title all about? Rescued from the Life I Always Wanted? Fill us in. Right. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. In summary, it means that my life has turned out very differently than the life I thought I had planned for myself. And my husband and I, our family, we've been on a journey, a very exciting and humbling and sometimes terrifying journey over the past, you know, handful of years into discovering that God's more for us was going to look like less. Okay, well, let's uh, let's dive in. You open your book with a title called Get Risky, uh, yeah. and that means what? You know, for me and for my family, I, I was really living for most of my childhood, most of my adult life in particular, sort of the American dream with a side of Jesus. You know, I grew up in an evangelical Christian home. I had a wonderful childhood um, of, of meager means, but, you know, very loved and supported. When my husband and I got married, we, we had met in college, a small liberal arts Christian college, and we launched into our life together, which we believed, you know, the goal for us was going to be to create a life of security, stability, and comfort. We really believed that that was our job, was to make our life as simple and as peaceful and as comfortable as possible. And so we set out to do that. You know, we both worked in federal politics at the time. Um, My husband worked for a United States congressman, and I worked under a different governmental contract. And, you know, we had excellent jobs. Um, We were just on the path. We were on the path to financial success, we're on the path to having successful careers, and, you know, we, we began, we were at the place where we were ready to start our family, and God surprisingly handed us the gift of infertility. So that was something that we had not planned, but we regrouped, and, you know, our kids have come through us to us through adoption, and that was the, kind of the first inkling that we had that maybe life was going to look a bit different. But as we have, as we have journeyed forward, Specifically, in these past few years, we've just come to see how tightly we held on to this idea of security 
and that perhaps the way the way God and Jesus defines security is not at all the way we were defining it. And so, you know, we began to see ourselves being pulled into this narrative of some risk. We were asked to lay some stuff down and um, really embrace the idea that God sometimes calls us to do challenging and risky things for his kingdom. Shannon Martin is our guest. Uh, she and her jail chaplain husband, Corey, have four funny children who came to them across oceans and rivers. Uh, tell me about these children, by the way. Well, they're pretty amazing kids, if I do say so. Um, we brought our first child home maybe 12 years ago. He's almost 12 years old now. And he came to us from South Korea, and his name is Calvin. Um, 364 days later, our daughter Ruby was born, and she was adopted domestically. So she was born here in Indiana. Her birth dad is from Malawi, Africa. And a couple years later, we brought home our youngest son, Silas. He was also from South Korea. And then a few years ago, you know, the ultimate curveball in our life, we ended up adopting our oldest son. He's now 22 years old. So at the time that we brought him officially into our family, he was 19 years old Mm. and he was serving time at the county jail. Mm, what a story, huh? Yeah. <laughs> How's he doing? He's doing well right now. You know, life is always a little tumultuous for him, and he's he's lived through a lot. He's had a really hard journey, and our job is to prove to him constantly that he is part of us forever, and we are with him no matter what. And so that's, you know, it's been it's been a tremendous blessing to sort of wrap him into our family, and he's got he's got young boys of his own now, and. It's just, you know, it's a journey. It's a part of our journey that I never saw coming, and it's just been such a beautiful way of seeing, you know, the richer and truer kingdom of God. Uh, Shannon, I don't know whether you know this or not, but we uh, we have 19 children. Uh, four, oh, my goodness. Okay. 14 adopted uh, from four foreign countries, including uh, four children from uh, South Korea. So, really? Yeah. I, oh, that's wonderful. We just have such a love for that country and for its people. When we brought Silas home, we got to travel to South Korea, and it was such a such an amazing opportunity to just spend time in the country. Our boys are dying to go back, so that's that's in our future somewhere. Well, that's great. Just stay away from the kimchi, and uh... I love the kimchi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Shannon Martin, our guest. Now, Shannon, let's move on. We've talked about Get Risky. Uh, now, redefine family. That's the second topic I want you to tell us about. Yeah, you know, we've kind of segued into that a little bit already, but it, it suffice it to say I had never borrowed the trouble that perhaps I would be experiencing infertility. You know, it's something that you you know that this happens to some people, but we certainly never assumed that it would happen to us. And when it did... You know, we were kind of at a crossroads of understanding, and I remember my mom told me once, she said, Shannon, the family picture God has hanging on his wall is just probably looking far different than the family picture in your mind. And that has stuck with me because that was kind of our entry point into understanding that, you know, we're not as in control of this life as we like to think that we are. Um And so we launched, you know, my husband and I launched into this world of adoption, and even 12, 13 years ago, it's just, it wasn't what it is now. There were a lot of unknowns. We didn't know a lot of people who had adopted, 
And at the time, we just felt like, okay, we just want a family. You know, we don't, we don't particularly care where our kids come from, um, what their stories are. We just want our, ch- our children, you know, the children entrusted to us from God. And, you know, also gave us the opportunity to begin understanding how to walk towards the pain of other people. Because I think for us, we were very pain-averse people. You know, we did whatever we could to make a wide detour around pain. And there are times when you bring children into your home through adoption that you are going to experience some of their deep pain. And we have experienced that um, in different ways. And so that was kind of a, a point where we regrouped and began to see just the great compassion that there can be and just sitting with somebody in their sorrow and in their grief and choosing that discomfort when it seems like it might be easier to avoid it. So we, you know, after now that all four of our kids are home and we don't know if, if four is the end or not, um, never say never, but I just, it, our life has become a, an exercise in drawing a, a wider circle around who we call family and, you know, being very generous and very loose with our definitions that family does not have to just be biology and DNA. It doesn't even have to be adoption. You know, family is the person that needs a family. And we want to be that for anybody that God brings into our path. How about this topic? Have less. That's uh, chapter three. What is uh, going on here? Well, I'll tell you, that was probably the hardest chapter for me to write because I knew that it was going to step on some toes. And I also knew that it was, it was, and still is personally convicting to me every day. So the have less chapter deals specifically with the idea of um, coming to a fresh understanding of what it means to steward our finances. When my husband and I were living back on the farm, we lived on our dream farmhouse, six acres. It was just beautiful, ideal pastures and a little orchard and everything we had ever wanted. We were both still working in federal politics, and the change that God brought into our lives began with both of us very unexpectedly losing our political jobs. My guest is Shannon Martin. Uh, We'll continue that discussion uh, when we come back, Shannon. Uh, This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. we got to take a break. Here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Uh, thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you have an unpaid debt to the IRS that you can't pay, please hear this special notice. Specially approved IRS relief programs designed to aid delinquent taxpayers are now in effect that can significantly improve your financial situation. Depending on your circumstances, you may qualify to have your tax problem resolved in your favor and may even have your back taxes reduced by thousands or eliminated entirely. A relief hotline has been established by Community Tax for you to call and see if you qualify at 800-231-9060. If you owe the IRS back taxes that you can't afford to pay, don't let the IRS trick you into thinking you have no way out. Our highly accredited tax professionals will let you know what you qualify for and how much you can save. We may be able to stop all liens, garnishments, levies, and save you thousands. Call and see if you qualify for this taxpayer relief at 800-231-9060. 800-231-9060. That's 800-231-9060. 
Are you in pain after a recent fall or car accident? Hi, this is Dr. Esther Pichardo. If you're in pain right now, dial pound 250 on your mobile device and say, I'm in pain. That will connect you to advanced physical medicine. After a car accident, your work, the insurance, the loss of your car, everything is a concern and your life changes in a matter of seconds. Material things can be replaced, but your health cannot be. If you're in pain right now, dial pound 250 on your mobile device and say, I'm in pain. Even if the pain is not severe in the first few days after an accident, studies show that physical injuries can get worse with time. If you had an accident and you're still in pain, dial pound 250 on your mobile device and say, I'm in pain. That will connect you to advanced physical medicine with offices in Orlando, Hunters Creek, and Poinciana. Advanced physical medicine. If you are in pain, dial pound 250 on your mobile device and say, I'm in pain. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Shannon Martin is with us, uh, author of Falling Free. Uh, Shannon, uh, we interrupted you there with that station break. I want you to pick up where you were. When we began, when Corey and I realized that both of our jobs had basically been obliterated completely outside of our control, um, we had this idea that the only way forward was to move up the ladder. You know, that's the the culture we had been conditioned to, that you only take steps up. And, you know, we both had very successful and pretty lucrative jobs at that time. What we began to see was that in addition to God um, opening our eyes to this idea that perhaps the gospel was calling us to risky things, perhaps also the gospel is calling us to a life of less. And, you know, we basically entered into a new leg of our life where our incomes were approximately a quarter of what they had been before, and we were left to contend with that. You know, we were left to contend with this idea that our ideas of financial security did not necessarily line up with the kingdom of God that calls us to be absolutely as generous as we can, and this idea that you know, there was often more and less, that Jesus was not particularly concerned with building wealth, but in, you know, bringing people near to his kingdom. Shannon, let's move to the next topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unplanned, you call it. Uh, What's happening? Well, with unplanned, it's just the idea that we tend to make our plans for ourselves. I know I certainly did. You know, I had this plan for my what my family was going to be like. I had plans for my future. I had plans for my career. Um, in every area of life, I had this ideal of what I thought things should look like, and I had this very tight grip on the idea of control. So through the, through the chapter of Unplanned, we kind of journey through some really interesting circumstances where, in particular, we very unexpectedly... Um, we're blessed with a foster daughter for about a year. She came to us very unexpectedly, and within a few days of her arrival, we also brought Robert, our oldest son, back into our home for a time. And so I talk a lot about just the ideas of, you know, we, we tend to see interruptions as inconveniences in our life, but a lot of times it's it's the holy work of God inviting us into something bigger than ourselves, and we just really need to be ready for that. Shannon Martin is our guest. We're talking about her book, Falling Free. Now, Shannon, uh, talk about Live Small. 
I think embracing our smallness is sort of the skeleton key for living the abundant life. You know, we are conditioned in, in our culture and in our world to want to make ourselves bigger and, um, you know, more visible and more popular and all of the things that we get caught up in. I think Jesus over and over again th- shows us throughout the Gospels that living small is not just about having less, but about being less. You know, he lived a very humble life. He spent a lot of time with people that were seen as dangerous or, you know, beneath him, kind of the scum of society. And I think that's that's absolutely where he's calling us as well, each of us, perhaps in different ways. So living small is about this idea that as we become less, as we back down off of the ladder, God becomes more powerful and bigger in our lives. Uh, Shannon, the next topic is simply called gather, which means what? Gather means community. One of the things that is the most important to us and has been along this journey is is to begin to understand the community that we've been called to. You know, for my family, we ended up, you know, the Lord led us to put that dream farmhouse on the market, and we ended up moving into a low-income, disadvantaged um sort of overlooked and forgotten neighborhood on the wrong side of the tracks in a nearby city. And so coming from from farm life into this neighborhood, you know, close quarter city life was just a real wake-up call for us. We had both grown up in country settings, and we, we honestly in many ways were unprepared for this. But this is the community that we've been called to, where a lot of the people here experience deep poverty, um, serious and life-threatening addiction, you know, just a lot of heartbreaking stuff that we are faced with. But God is at work here. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, I'm sure I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. And that just hit me so hard. This is the land of the living. It might not look like it to a lot of people, but we are learning to just really redefine a lot of those things. Shannon Martin, our guest. We're talking about her book, Falling Free. Uh, The next thing I want you to talk about, Shannon, is uh, open the door. Open the door is the idea of inviting people into our homes um, in very perhaps foolish ways, or at least that's the way the world around us might see it. So we have come to see that, that our reason for living in this neighborhood is not to save anybody, not to plant a church, not even necessarily to, you know, start a food bank or a Bible study. Our job here is to just live as neighbors and to keep our door easy on its hinges. We are amazed by, a lot of times we're overwhelmed by the number of people that come to our door. And when they come, we hope that that God gives us the grace and the courage and the compassion to open that door and invite them in. So with my, my husband's work as the chaplain of the county jail, we have a lot of people coming in and out of our homes and, and having a place at our table that have have spent time in jail and in prison, have lived very hard lives, and God continues to show us His image, you know, the image of God in these people that have just lived really horrific things and and perhaps might wear their pain in more obvious ways. But it's it's just been a a beautiful journey for us. Shannon, tell us about uh, this topic that you call Grow Together. Growing together is the idea that as parents of small children, you know, that's one of the questions we get, and, and particularly in the beginning we got most often, was were we putting, putting our children at risk by a lot of these changes in our lives? You know, 
we we brought our kids out of the one of the highest ranked public school systems in Indiana to a school system that at the time of our arrival was a failing Title I public school. And it remains a Title I school, which means most of the kids in the system are living in serious poverty. Um, it's just been the gift of a lifetime for our family and for our kids to to find community and kinship with with our neighbors and with their classmates. So growing together for me means that when God called my husband and I into this life that many people think is kind of strange and you know a little bit risky, he also called my kids and they have their own little unique ministry here. God has plans for them and a purpose for them and just just because they might be in elementary school that does not exempt them from being active members of his kingdom. Uh, let's move to this topic, uh, commune, you write about. Commune is based largely out of the church experience that we became a part of when we moved to the city. So we began attending a very small congregation just two blocks up the street from us. We walked to church almost every Sunday, and it's it's a small, um, honestly, it's a dying community. It's a dying church. It's full of elderly people. We lost two dear congregants just this past week. You know, the congregation is aging. It's small. Um, it is not bells and whistles of any kind, and we have found our fit there. And it has not always been easy, but again, this idea of, of embracing a smaller way and simply blooming where we are planted and where we might best serve our community rather than trying to find a church experience that would specifically you know, cater to our whims and our wants. This has been an area of tremendous growth for my family and just a really fun and unexpected part of our journey. And then that moves us to uh, give more. So give more is, is sort of following up on the earlier chapter, have less. So as we, my, my family has, has arrived at a place where we have less and lower financial means. God has also, at the same time, quite inconveniently, if you ask us, he's called us to a greater sense of generosity. And for the first time, you know, back when we were financially quite set, we we had always tithed, we had always done things to try to help people. It was not sacrificial per se, because we just were not in that place that we were living paycheck to paycheck. And a lot of times now that is where we're at. And, you know, at the same time, God is, is asking us to, to do what we can to meet some of the needs around us. And we are surrounded with need. So, again, it's the idea of holding loosely what God has given us. It, when it comes to finances, that can be one of the hardest things to let go of because there's fear and control and, you know, all these things wrapped up into this idea of security. But, you know, Jesus says, if you have two coats, and your neighbor does not have one, you give him the coat, and you give him the best coat. And that's, quite honestly, how we're trying our best and failing often, but how we're trying to live. Uh, I think this is uh, something that you need to share with us. What is your message to those women who are feeling insignificant or desire to grow deeper in their personal faith experiences? Uh, What do you tell them? You know, that's where I was for a lot of my adult life. I was doing everything that I thought I was supposed to do. And by outside definitions, you know, I I wasn't necessarily a big deal by any means, but I I was doing things right. And I I was looked at as a mom, you know, that kind of was on the right path. 
at the same time, and you know, I love the Lord. I've loved the Lord since I was a, a young child. So at the same time, I didn't understand how to come to grips with this fact that my faith just felt a little flat. And I think when we began to really press into the Gospels and really take a hard look at how Jesus lived while he was here on earth as our model, what I realized was that I was missing out on the mess of the Gospel. You know, the Gospels, Jesus' life on earth, his life with his disciples, I mean, it was messy, it was chaotic, it was under criticism all the time, it made no sense. And we are being invited to step into that. And I think everybody, you know, I don't think my journey is everybody else's journey, but I think each of us, God has a plan for us inside that mess. And so just just ask God, ask him to, to see the people around you the way he sees them, and you will be surprised by the doors that are opened. I, I think the next thing that I'd like to talk to you about is your husband's work in the county jail. Explain, what is that like? What, what does that mean? What's What goes on in his life every day? You know, he went from putting on a suit and tie. For a while, we lived right on Capitol Hill. And even when we were back in the district, you know, he was kind of a suit and tie, sort of um, well-connected businessman working in the political sphere. And now he pulls on his jeans and he's growing this ridiculous beard and he drives his old beater to the jail every day where he spends he spends his day behind bars literally and he gets to build relationships with these men who are at rock bottom and he gets to see firsthand that rock bottom is where is where Jesus really likes us to be sometimes because we become very desperate for him we become very aware of our you know our need and our lack and he just he has found his fit you know he gets to disciple these young men into a relationship with the Lord and into a community outside of the jail where they can hopefully find, you know, help with each other, you know, other people in the church and thrive. And it has just been the shock of our lifetime. Nobody saw this coming and it's exactly where he's supposed to be. What do your children think of his work? They, it's become so normal to them. You know, he's been doing it now for about three years and they have their big brother, Robert, who is in jail. We have a lot of friends who've spent time in jail we almost have to counterbalance that sometimes with talks to them, like, you know, guys, not everybody goes to jail. You know, this is not a part of your future. Um, it's it's created a pretty funny atmosphere where they, and, and I envy this of them as a kid, you know, I had this idea that people in jail were bad people, and they are seeing this new perspective that people in jail have made some mistakes, but God is not done with them yet. And I love that they get to see that. What's next for you, uh, Shannon? You've written this book. Uh, what, what's uh, what's on your horizon? Well, I've got another book on my horizon. I'm just barely starting to, you know, walk in that direction. Um, so definitely writing. I write pretty frequently still on my blog, shannonmartinwrites.com. So beyond writing and work, I just spend a lot of time being active in my community. I'm in the PTO and in the Neighborhood Association and involved in my church, and just whatever I can do to stay rooted here in my community and build relationships with my people and my family, that's what life is really about. Well, I'm so glad we could visit. Congratulations uh, on uh, this book. I know it'll make an impact, and I'm glad that we could get together here, Shannon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Shannon Martin, our guest, the author of Falling Free. By the way, uh, Shannon's website, www.shannonmartinwrites, 
uh, three capital letters, Shannon, and Shannon is S-H-A-N-N-A-N, ShannonMartinWrites.com, and uh, check out her book. we got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Rick Johnson joins us from Portland, Oregon, founder of Better Dads, uh, author of Overcoming Toxic Parenting. Uh, Rick, I'm always glad when you join me. How are you? Good, Pat. Thanks for having me. Uh, what prompted you to dive into this topic, overcoming toxic parenting? Do we have any of that out there? Yeah, well, you know, that was my background. I mean, I came from a very abusive environment. And, um, you know, most of the books I write, I think, are people read them. They're probably pretty good parents. And I really had a heart to, um, you know, reach out and, and talk to some people maybe who grew up in, a, in a similar circumstances as I did and, um you know, find themselves parents down. They're like, uh, they know what they don't want to do as parents, but they're not really sure, you know, what they're supposed to. And I, I really wanted to give them some hope that, um, you know, they didn't have to pass along the things that that had been um, taught to them growing up and um, that they didn't have to live the life that uh, that maybe some of them are of, of, you know, frustration and anger and hopelessness and despair. Your first topic, when parents fail... Uh, what are you writing about there? We're talking a lot about the different types of abuse. Um, and I really, um, you know, in toxic parenting, I, I think all families probably have some level of dysfunction, but I really wanted to focus on things like abandonment, uh, emotional and psychological abuse, verbal, physical, sexual abuse, neglect, and even poverty, I think, has some elements of um, abusive behavior in it as well. And then... We move to this topic, how our past affects our own parenting. Uh, Fill us in. Yeah, one of the things that um, I was really surprised about when I was doing the research for this book was just how many people come from this sort of a background. Um, And I quote a study early on where the um, Center for Disease Control and Kaiser Permanente uh, collaborated on a study where they uh, surveyed 17,000 Kaiser members and they asked them if they had had any of one or any of eight uh, different um, adverse childhood experiences, ACEs. And those uh, child adverse childhood experiences included emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, having a battered mother, divorce, uh, substance abusing mother, mentally ill mother, or incarcerated household member. What they found is that over two-thirds of the 17,000 people that they surveyed had at least one of those while growing up, and in, one in five had three or more. The problem with that is that um, those ACEs have a cumulative effect on kids and cause, as adults, um, much higher levels of all sorts of problems, diseases. And, in fact, if you get six or more, uh, it shortens a person's lifespan by nearly 20 years. Mm. Now, I had six out of eight in mind, Pat, growing up. And um, here's the message of hope in that, though, is that if we go back and we we heal from some of those wounds that we were exposed to as children, it actually eliminates all of those negative outcomes and um, and puts us back on a normal track. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that we have to remember is, again, that our past does not dictate our future necessarily. And, and that leads to this topic, Rick, healing our wounds. Yeah, I think there's several uh, 
different aspects to that. The first aspect of it is understanding um, some of the different um, things that we have experienced, whether it be physically, uh, have to deal with those through whether it be through counseling, things like that. But the other thing is the emotional aspects of it, of understanding that, you know, we have to go through grief. We, we're grieving the loss of having um, lost our innocence in childhood, of not having parents that loved us the way that they should have, um, just a number of different things. The other aspect to it is understanding that probably most people that have been abused have a high degree of anger, and uh, that goes hand-in-hand hand with grief, and we have to understand that and and uh, learn uh, ways to deal with that. So, you know, it's it's I, I, I think I quote in the book that it's, it's understandable and it's okay for us to be angry for what happened to us, but it's not okay to pass that anger on to our children and the other people that we love in our life. Now let's get into this topic. Uh, Rick Johnson, our guest, the author of Overcoming Toxic Parenting, uh, Action Steps to Healing. Yeah, I, I outlined here um, pretty clearly some things that were very helpful for me. Um, for instance, uh, I found that education was extremely important. It's really important for us to understand, for instance, the um, the, the things that happen to our brain as a child when we're exposed to trauma. Uh, it, it impacts different areas of our brain. It also uh, helps to understand, you know, why we respond to different situations the way we respond. Um, and that was very helpful. The next step was to uh, get into counseling to find, uh, particularly if we've been physically or sexually abused, really important for us to um, find professional help to be able to deal with some of those issues. Uh, the next step was, and in hand in hand with that, you know, I found it really helpful to. Uh, I came from an alcoholic background, so it was very helpful for me to attend these um, uh, adult children of alcoholic groups. Now, th- that was way outside of my comfort zone at the time, Pat. But um, what was surprising to me is I really felt like I was the only person who had experienced some of the things that I experienced and felt the way that I did, and to find a whole room full of people who knew exactly what I was talking about, was very uh, enlightening for me. Uh, next step was to um, find positive mentors in my life. Uh, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, I'm not going to do what, what I was taught to do. Uh, it's the next thing, if we don't have anything to fill that with, no, no, nothing positive to fill that void with, we end up falling back on the things that we do know. And so those were some of the steps, I think, that were very important as far as... Um, sort of a healing and getting beyond the process of the things that were done to us as children. Rick, I want you to talk about healing our emotions. Yeah, you know, I talked about um, grief and anger, um, those types of things. One of the things that I think is really important for us to recognize throughout all of this is how important forgiveness is. And, you know, I, sometimes it's it's hard to, to bring that up with people who come from those kinds of situations because the response is, you know, why should I forgive them? I didn't do anything wrong. Um, you know, all of these different things that were done to me weren't my fault. But it's important for us to remember that we forgive others, not for them necessarily, but for ourselves. And so to go through the process that we need to go through in order to to find forgiveness. You know, there have been some interesting studies that they're finding on cancer patients uh, where they're finding that they have high levels of unforgiveness in their lives, a lot of them. And they're finding that the ones that are able to find forgiveness in their life actually doing a lot better in healing and dealing with the with the situation that they're in than people who don't. And so, again, it's, it's for us. It's not necessarily for the um, people who perpetrated 
misdeeds upon us. We're talking to Rick Johnson from Portland, founder of Better Dads. Uh, the book is called uh, Overcoming Toxic Parenting. Ravel is the publisher. So uh, you give us some new parenting strategies in your book, Rick. Uh, what are what are they? Well, you know, there's a number of ways of um, understanding. I, 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 you know, I know a lot of people, Pat, who come from backgrounds like this, and um, we're pretty good at stuffing it and, and living a, a, in quotations, normal life until we have kids. And um, kids kind of, the stress and pressures of having children kind of bring out some of these issues that um, we're able to keep under our hat pretty good until that happens. One of the challenges with doing that, again, is reprogramming our brains. Our brains have been kind of programmed a certain way to respond a certain way in different situations. And if we want to change that, we have to um, figure out how to do that. And one of the, just as a practical example, here's what that might look like. So. Let's say that you um, grew up, your parents were very negative, uh, very critical of, every, of you and everyone around you, and, um, you know, you don't want to, you've grown up now, you have children, well, you don't want to pass that on to them, you don't want them to feel the way that you did growing up, and so, you know, understandably, you are somewhat of a negative person and, and, and critical of people around you, because that's what you were exposed to growing up. You decide you don't want to do that, you don't want to pass that on to your kids, so... You start doing things like um, you decide that you're going to give your kids a lot of positive praise during the day. So last thing before you go to bed, the last thing you think about is that you're going to give your kids, say, five positive things the next day. Same thing when you wake up. You, you That's the first thing you think of. You think about that, and you actually force yourself throughout the day because it's probably not very easy to um, give your kids positive feedback as often as possible. And you consciously do that as much as you can, and pretty soon you start finding that it's easier to actually do that, and it's harder to be critical. And uh, at that point, you've kind of reprogrammed your brain and developed some new strategies on on parenting your kids differently than you were. Now, it's not easy. Uh, In fact, it's rather difficult to do. Um, It's sort of like, um, you know, reprogramming the neural pathways in your brain is sort of like learning to play a new instrument. Um, at first, it's really difficult and really slow, but the more you practice, the better you get, and pretty soon it's second nature to you. Rick Johnson, our guest. Rick, uh, let's move to good kids, bad kids. What does that mean? Well, I kind of talk in here about the difference between punishment and discipline. A lot of people who come from abusive environments have been physically abused um, and I'm not sure that sometimes we don't have a war perspective on what it means to uh, the difference between punishment and discipline. And I think the difference is is that we often punish our kids in anger, and discipline is uh, we're trying to teach them an important life lesson. And so, you know, I kind of go through a whole chapter of here of those differences, what that looks like. Um, you know, I kind of changed my perspective over the years on on that and the importance of disciplining our children as opposed to um, punishing them in anger. I don't think it's ever a good idea to um, to punish our kids in anger. Rick Johnson is with us. Healthy relationship practices—that's the next topic. I want you to get into Rick. Yeah, one of the challenges for people from abusive backgrounds is that we really don't know how to relate to other people in a healthy manner, whether it's our wife, whether it's friends. Um, 
and 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 that's a real challenge for a, a, a lot of us. And so, um, you know, I kind of talk about some different ways that we make um, uh, decisions, um, maybe unconscious biases that we have from the way that we've been brought up, some misperceptions um, that we might have uh, growing up. Um, understanding how to break unhealthy parental behaviors, um, what our children need and why, and, um, you know, just the importance of um, loving your spouse. I mean, uh, uh, perhaps the best parenting advice I could give people is for them to love their spouse. Um, Healthy communication, really important. You know, I, I think a lot of times people from our backgrounds don't understand how, uh, powerful words are. And uh, sometimes we say things in the heat of the moment that we don't mean, don't think much about it, but to our kids, especially, our words are very powerful. And, and, and many of us as adults are living down, trying to live down words that we've heard our parents speak um, and trying to prove to ourselves that we, 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 you know, we aren't whatever those words were that were spoken that were, were hurtful to us. So, I, you know, I think it's important for us as, as as adults to understand exactly, you know, what our responsibilities are and what that looks like in order to have healthy relationships with our with our wife and with our children. Rick, before we take the break here, uh, tell me about Better Dads. Yeah, Better Dads started in 2001 and um, actually started initially uh, with the idea that... Um, you know, there were a lot of men out there that, that maybe could use a little bit of help, um, some tools for their tool belt, if you were, to be more engaged and involved in the lives of their kids, because we really believe that um, men and fathers are the key to everything, um, to all the problems that our culture faces. Uh, Better Dads has evolved over the years, primarily through the books I've written. To uh, We do a lot of work with single moms raising boys. We do a lot of work with um, uh, fatherless boys. We do prison ministry. Um, uh, books for the military, different things like that, that uh, we've evolved to kind of the whole family, marriage conferences, different things like that. So kind of involved in helping the whole family to um, uh, to have better relationships and to um, make a difference in the world through through better relationships. How do people reach you, by the way, Rick? Uh, the best way is through our website at betterdads.net. And uh, B and D are capitalized, betterdads.net. And uh, Rick Johnson is our guest. He is the founder of Better Dads. We're talking about his new book with Ravel, Overcoming Toxic Parenting. Uh, When we come back after the break, uh, Rick's going to talk to us about thoughts for women, why you matter. And then when we finish that topic, uh, we go to thoughts for men and uh, why you matter. So stay with us. Here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, it's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. 
Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $28 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-240-1700. That's 1-800-240-1700. 1-800-240-1700. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Ladies, are you looking for cute but modest clothing? Well, look no further than Proverbs 31 Clothing Store in the Plaza del Sol Mall in Kissimmee. The owner, Liz Mendoza, joyously chooses just the right items to make you look and feel great. Enjoy a mother-daughter day at Proverbs 31 because they have clothes for all ages. Or meet your girlfriends there for a fun day of shopping. Buy your clothes at Proverbs 31 Clothing Store and start counting the compliments. Here's Liz Mendoza, owner of Proverbs 31. Modesty does not have to be frumpy. Modesty can be beautiful and trendy and amazing. We're a little light shining in the mall, and if we can, you know, we're just spreading that message one skirt at a time. Call Liz at 321-303-1956 or just visit her at Proverbs 31 Clothing Store. They're in Kissimmee at the marketplace of the Plaza del Sol Mall near the main entrance. They're open Monday through Saturday from 11 to 6. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Rick Johnson is with us uh, from Portland, Oregon. His book, Overcoming Toxic Parenting. Well, as advertised, Rick, uh, I want you to talk about thoughts for women, why you matter. Yeah, one of the challenges uh, for people who come from abused backgrounds is, of course, they have low self-esteem um, and often don't, um, because of what's been taught to them or they've been trained as, they don't often appreciate the value that they have in other people's lives. And so I kind of wanted to spend a couple of chapters in this book to just talk to both men and women to help them to understand why they matter and why they're important. And um, so I kind of broke it down, especially for women, on why they were important to their sons you know, they she models emotions like empathy, compassion, tenderness, sensitivity, and love to to boys. Uh, a boy learns about sacrifice and gentleness and caring and unconditional love from observing his mother. And, and moms are example of what a woman, a, a wife, and a mother are that he carries w- around with him for the rest of his life. So moms are hugely important. Uh, same with daughters. You know, moms are the first and most important female role model in a young woman's life. She models and teaches her things like what authentic femininity looks like and how a woman loves a man, how much respect she gives a man, and how a woman should expect to be treated by a man. All very important things for, for, for a young girl to, to learn. To her husband, um, gosh, a, a, a woman is special because she empowers him to be more than he could ever be on his own. Um, you know, women have this tremendous power to be able to influence the men in their lives, and um, 
you know, the old saying of behind every good man is a good woman is not just hyperbole, it's it's the truth. And I think that um, a woman can use that powerful influence to to subtly, you know, lift up and guide a man to be all he was created to be. To her family, I mean, she's, you know, God designed women to be more nurturing than men, and, and without her gifts in this area, a family would never be able to survive, much less thrive. And so... You know, spiritually, women are often the first uh, exposure that children have to church and to God, and and um, so you know they're very, very important. And I, I think women, in general, tend to not feel uh, that they're necessarily worthy and important, and and uh, and exceptionally, they are. They make a difference in people's lives, and I think it's important for the for them to understand that. And that leads right into the next one, Thoughts for Men and Why You Matter. Yeah, same with men. And, um, I, you know, I think men and dads have the same sort of power as moms. It's a little bit different in that, um, you know, they're, of course, they're the biggest influence in their son's life, certainly. Um, they teach boys how to live life, how to solve problems, um, how a man faces the world. Um, fathers and discipline are extremely important. Dads seem to have been endowed by God with this mantle of authority within the family. And, um, you know, boys who aren't disciplined by their fathers don't learn self-discipline, which is a huge factor in, in male satisfaction in life. And so they also teach their sons how to love a woman, which is no small task. We see a lot of boys that we work with who don't have dads that, um, haven't ever been taught that. They never see what that looks like, and so they don't really understand um, what that looks like. Fatherhood wounds are, are very deep and jagged tears in a boy's chest that, that leave huge scars in their wake. To daughters, dads have a tremendous ability to influence the lives of their daughters. He's the huge role model for his daughter regarding the qualities that she looks for in men. He's the first man in your life and models how a man should treat a woman, how a man should act, how he shows healthy love and affection for a woman. Um, again, girls need healthy non-sexual affection from their dads. If if they don't get it from their dads, they will get it from somebody else. Um, for a wife, again, as a husband, we um, have the power to be able to lift her up to, uh, to be more and do more than she could ever do without us. And so... Uh, and to our family, I think, um, you know, being a father is hard. might be the most difficult thing I've ever done, and and it doesn't seem to get any easier as our kids get older. But um, I know that without me in their lives, their lives would certainly be a lot um, different. As, as a dad to your family, you're a protector, you're a provider, um, you're a provisionary for them. And um, spiritually, dads make a huge difference in their families' lives, Um Interesting studies done by the Swiss government on the influence of fathers transmitting faith into their families, and um, dads make a huge difference in that area as well. So, again, as as fathers, we need to be aware of how important and how valuable we are. We're not just um, we're not just here. We actually make a difference in people's lives in ways that we we'll, might not ever know. Rick Johnson, our guest. Rick, your conclusion. Uh, says this, better parents, better families, a better world. Uh, can you expand on that? Yeah, that's kind of our, our motto at Better Dads, um, that we believe that by educating, mentoring, and empowering parents to be better moms and dads, we can help develop better families, and better families uh, definitely translates into a better world. 
And um, we 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 believe and we understand that changing one person, one family at a time makes a makes a difference in uh, in entire communities. And um, you know, as as parents, I think it's important for us to understand um, how valuable we are in the lives of our kids. Um, it's kind of a stereotype, especially as our kids get to be teenagers, uh, that they don't want to spend time with us, and that actually their peers have much more influence on them than than we do as parents. And that's absolutely not true. Uh, MTV did a huge seven month study on 13 to 24 year olds, uh, like 40,000 of them, and asked them what one thing made them the most happy. And the biggest answer by far was spending time with family, friends, and loved ones. And that means that we have a huge influence on our kids at all ages. And 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 I and I guess as the final words that I just like to say to people that are listening is that, you know, don't give up. Um, literally, you're more precious and valuable than you'll ever know, and your children need you no matter how old they are or how many mistakes you've made. And regardless of what anyone has ever told you, you matter. And um, people love and depend on you, and and you have a lot to offer the world. And the challenges that you've endured and overcome have made you uniquely qualified to help others who've gone through the same heartaches. And so, you know, I would just say to people that in your audience, Pat, that God does have a plan for your life. The past is the past, and it's time to become all that you were meant to be, to break generational cycles. And, um, you know, the way to win at life is to get and get justice for what was perpetrated upon you is to live a good life. And um, you do that be, by being the kind of parents for your children that you deserved as a child. So um, with that, I would just say to be blessed and have a good life. Rick, uh, what uh, parroting topics have you not written about, and and uh, what's in your pipeline? Well, I have, I mean, <laughs> that's an interesting question. This is the first time in 12 years I've been without a book contract, so I'm, I've been thinking about this a lot, and um, we have actually been... Uh, in the process of adopting, we've been raising our granddaughter uh, for the past three and a half years. She's four and a half now. Mm. And so I think there's an interesting book out there on grandparents sort of reparenting their grandchildren. Um, I'm actually running into a lot of people who are in this type of a situation in one form or another that um, I think it would be a very compelling book for people to... It's definitely a challenge at our stage in life, so... So how old are you and your wife, if I may ask? Well, I'm 60 now, so I'll be almost 80 when she graduates from college. So I, I better be writing books a lot here, because <laughs> I'm not going to be retiring anytime soon, I don't think. So, Rick, what kind of a parent are you now uh, compared to, uh, oh, I don't know, what, 30-some years ago? Sure. No, that's a great question. Uh, and you'd think you would remember all the things, <laughs> but you kind of forget some of the stuff. But, um, you know, I, certainly I think I'm a lot more patient than I was as a father. Um, you know, you, Pat, and you know this, your, your natural God-given roles as a parent are much different than they are as a grandparent. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your role as a parent is to teach and to, to teach self-discipline, and, and your role as a grandparent is to spoil your grandkids and and those are hard roles to mesh. And, um, you know, that's been one of the challenges, I think, is we know that we have to provide discipline for this little child. And uh, and yet our natural inclination is to want to coddle her and, and give her everything she wants. And so um, that's an interesting dynamic to um, to try to change. Rick Johnson has been our guest. 
We've got to wrap up after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Finances were not designed to bust our marriages, but build our marriages. That's Chris Brown talking about money from a biblical perspective. There's a world's way of handling money that's rooted in entitlement, and there's God's way of handling money that is rooted in contentment and gratitude. Got a money issue you need help with? Listen to Chris Brown's True Stewardship, managing God's blessings God's way for God's glory. Chris Brown's True Stewardship, afternoons at 2, right after Through the Bible. Here at the intersection of faith and reason, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thanks for joining us, my friends, for the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, In the first segment, Shannon Martin was with us from Goshen, Indiana, talking about falling free. And then we moved out to uh, Portland, Oregon. Rick Johnson, founder of Better Dads, author of Overcoming Toxic Parenting. Uh, was our guest. Uh, please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And my most recent book is out. It is called Humility. And it's really about the power, the impact uh, that we all can have with a humble spirit. And humility can be learned. It can be taught, uh, particularly to our young people. So the uh, book is in bookstores, amazon.com. Uh, barnesandnoble.com, always a wonderful way to order books. We'll be back next weekend for more uh, right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.